as a red-blooded American, at least since what, 1898 or 1917 or 1952, depending on your definition of, of, of colonial Americanness, two things drive me at my core. First one is freedom, of course. Second one is democracy. And with everyone doing their end of year Spotify raps, few of people out there listening, we were in the top whatever podcast, you know, Machete Mate that is. A lot more people out there had um, Hot Girl Agenda on their top whatever. So I don't know about, about, about the rest of you, but for me, I give the people what they want, right? Especially with the holidays coming up and Christmas coming up. Nothing, I don't think anyone wants anything more than for this to happen. So like this, this, this synthesis of like of of podcasts and comradeliness and solidarity, right? So of course I'm talking about the official Christmas present, Christmas gift, holiday season. Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas! Three Kings Day is coming up as well for all the the Spanish colonial subjects out there as well. Machete mate and hot girl agenda. So that's exactly so um this is already going off the rails, but um that's that's what that's what we're about. That's what we're about. Um so yeah, so I know with Machete Mate, we 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 have a habit of getting really heavy really quick, talking about like societal collapse and fascist death squads in like Colombia or whatever. Hopefully we'll 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 steer clear of that, even though Chile does have a have an election in a couple of hours, which is Consequential. Um, I feel that Hawker is a little bit more lighthearted, so hopefully they can sort of take the lead in that and um, keep us from being too pessimistic, too negative. Anyway, oh, you I'm sweet leader. summer child, you sweet summer child. Yeah, I know, I know. We got the lighthearted. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I'm like, have you, have you listened to the show? Have me laughing. That's our hot girl shit. But was it on your Spotify? Leroy, was it on your Spotify top listen to? What? Hoggle Agenda? Yes, actually. Solidarity. Your shows, your shows, Hoggle Agenda always pops up. So there's that. I'm Leroy from Machete Mate, coming down from, coming to you from NOM, and so-called, um, Melbourne, Australia, so they also have the planet. And with us, we'll we'll do the hot girl agenda first. Yesi, what's good? Hey, what's what's good? What's up, everybody? <laughs> I'm so excited, first of all, to like do this collabo. Um, but yeah, I'm Yesi, uh pronouns they them. I am in LA, um, representing that really fraught, complicated chicanismo and uh, you know, mestizaje. Um Originally from San Francisco, though. I will not give you my social and my mother's maiden name, but Damn. but you know, you know, I gave you a little background. Kick it over to Rara. Uh, hey, I'm Rara. Um, if you listen to the show Hot Girl Agenda, you know where I'm from, but I'll say it anyway. I'm originally from Guam. That is a U.S. territory in the Pacific Ocean. And we are part of a chain of islands called the Micronesian Islands. And I lived on Guam for most of my life uh, until 20, like for actually my whole life until 2011. And then I moved to the States, moved to Florida for some fucking reason, and <laughs> then moved to Atlanta uh, like about five years ago. So that's where I'm at right now. I, uh, I consider myself a communist. I consider mm, myself yeah. anti-imperialist and... Yeah, I consider Yay. myself a hot girl, most importantly. Nice. Tea was good. 
Oh yeah, I'm chilling. <laughs> um, yeah, this is T. Um, I am super fucking excited for this collaboration. Honestly, like looking forward to it. It's a long time coming too. I know we we've been talking about it for a while, and it's just it is an honor and a privilege uh, to be with y'all. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll round it out. My name is Austin G, right? Pronouns he, him. Super happy to be on this collabo as well. This is amazing. I feel like I have like at least have like hung out with basically, okay, maybe not you, Leroy. And like, cause you're in Australia, that sucks. But like, I know all of you all from different spaces. So bringing everybody together is a very, very beautiful thing. And I'm also very excited to talk about Guam, right? Solidarity with with Puerto Rico and, and how we hate colonies and we hate yeah. empire and, That's right. and we love mm-hmm. communism. So cool. That's right. Beautiful. Let's go. 1000%. Easy. And it's funny because I got a lot of people here talking about like how far the United States is. It goes over. Oh, there's an emergency. Hawaii is the closest place you know, to the United States to you. Right. I'm like, no, it's actually Guam. Guam or like Samoa mm-hmm. would be like my first point of contact with the U S which is, Bullshit. The United States should not have fucking colonies in the Pacific, man. And like, and what do I always say, guys? Like, we the, at the core of what we do and our beliefs or whatever is right. The liberation of Puerto Rico, but any liberation struggle of Puerto Rico is incomplete without taking into account the liberation struggles of Guam, American Samoa, Virgin Islands, and all other all other colonized territories. So, um, really, really, really excited to um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So speaking of which, you spent you said you spent most of your life there. What's what's it like? Like if you had to paint a picture for people, of, they're like, oh, what's Guam like? Um, Guam is at its best, like that ideal tropical island that you imagine. Like when you when people are like, mm-hmm. I want to go escape to a tropical island, like it's that. Um, like you're standing on the beach and it's just endless ocean and it's so beautiful and the water's so deep and it's like infinity out there. And it yeah. makes you feel very alone, but also like very connected to the, you know, the ground beneath you and the ocean and all the people around you sharing the same land. So it feels like home, I guess, is like how I yeah. describe it. So, but I'm biased. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds dope. Um, my question as well, I've always been curious because obviously Guam was a Spanish colony, like just like mm-hmm. Puerto Rico, just like, you know, half the fucking world. What's, what are the lingering, I guess, vestiges of that like Spanish influence on the culture on the island and stuff? Because I know in, in like a lot of the like Chamorro, there's still a lot of Spanish words in the language and stuff like that, and in some of the names. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of that also has to do with like the big like sort of Filipino influence and population there as well. Like, mm-hmm. like what what like from your perspective, like what's what's what are those vestiges are still there? Well, it's definitely the Catholicism. The Catholicism is definitely yeah. there. <laughs> Um, I'd say that is uh, the biggest marker. If we were to like to kind of gauge markers of colonialism, like that one definitely is a pretty lasting institution. Um, it is has an interesting um, interaction with the culture, though. Um, I think it's very similar to like what happened uh, in Mexico, where Catholicism kind of started to blend with local. Uh, Mm -hmm. regional traditions and superstitions and things like that. So there was Mm -hmm. kind of like, even though Catholicism was the dominant form, there were still vestiges of uh, indigenous like worship and uh, indigenous religion. Um, On Guam, the Chamorro, which is the native people for anyone who doesn't know that, uh, the Chamorro before the Spanish came along, um, 
uh, believed in like ancestral worship and like getting guidance from your ancestors, of course, but also that your ancestors like actually lived in the trees, like it lived in mm. certain yeah. trees in the jungle. Oh. So there was a real like physical man manifestation of your ancestors around. So that is, I don't know what other cultures are are like that. Um, I think like possibly like Shinto is very similar uh, in that regard yeah. where like spirits are everywhere kind of thing. But this is like specifically spirits are like in nature. Spirits are like in specific spots. So um, that's an that's an interesting kind of like, um, but then it's like super strongly Catholic. So it's like we believe in like ghosts and ancestors and all this stuff. But it's like, you know, I asked my grandma once when I was going through my um you know, my shitty atheist phase where I was just like trying to challenge everybody about everything. <laughs> and I was like 13 or 14 or something. And I was like, grandma, I'm not bath baptized in the Catholic church. Does that mean I'm going to hell? And she was like, yes. <laughs> Jeez. Just, just straight up. That's yes. she, seemed, right. she was sad about it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. No, my grandma loves me. She's just very sad that I'm going to Catholic hell. So yeah, it's, it's funny because like my, my my wife's family, they're Filipino. And like her parents, it's funny because like they go to church every Sunday, they sing in the choir, but they're not outwardly religious. They're just culturally very Catholic. And like we haven't baptized our son because I, I personally don't give a shit. My wife doesn't personally give a shit either. And like it actually saddens my like father-in-law that like, oh, you know, he's not baptized. You know, he keeps going, oh, if he wants to go to Catholic school, he needs to be uh, baptized. I'm like, why do we want to put him in Catholic school? Like what's like, you know what I mean? Right. So almost yeah. guilting us like, kind of overdoing his own personal sadness that he hasn't been baptized or whatever. But like, I, I feel that. And it's funny, like how, how that worked, the Catholicism and shit like that. T, as our, as a, as our resident Catholic, like um, any, any, any words on that? Well, honestly, I was going to ask, like, is there, cause this has happened repeatedly, especially in um, countries that were touched by Spain and in Portugal where, so like in Puerto Rico, you have Santeria and shit, right? Mm -hmm. So it was these kind of syncretic, like you can't even call it Catholic. You can't call it the indigenous mm. practices. It was very much a third way between, between the two. Is there something mm. like, is there something similar in Guam? Like, no, it's, it's it, like, we have like a diocese on Guam. Like we like we 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 get the we get the Catholic priests from like the Vatican and shit. Uh, <laughs> um, like we get our shit imported. Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I was obvious. I was not raised Catholic. I was raised non-denominational Christian, <laughs> and I went to a bunch of different churches when I was younger. Um, but yeah, my my Chamorro grandmother is the most Catholic person I know. Sings in the choir. Goes to church every single Sunday. Um, yeah. and my white grandfather who, uh, who, you know, came to Guam in the Navy and married a local girl. Um, he is what? actually a lot more, um, uh, what's the, not, he's agnostic. Um, mm. so yeah. he, he was raised Christian, but is agnostic. So it's really interesting there because I think the younger generation is, um, a lot more about like connecting with the indigenous worship and practices and kind of like not super stoked on catholicism but it is still like mm -hmm. very culturally catholic there so yeah let me ask you all a question and and rara you kind of like touched on on how it was for you but um i'd like to hear more about it how many of y'all uh grew up catholic or some sort of christian and then how many of y'all that did grow up with uh, Catholicism or some sort of Christian had that um, syncretic kind of experience that T was talking about. Like, so mm -hmm. like, for example, for myself, like um, 
you know, I, I was an altar server. I was a, you know, youth leader, a very oh, Catholic, shit. very Catholic family, like very much involved in our like parish church. But also we would go to the Santero and have the bones read. And like if if someone had bad spirits following them, we needed a limpia. And like in my house, we have our altar where the ancestors live and we feed them. And like, you know, like so so both. Santeria and like Mexican brujeria, which stems from like indigenous religions yeah. there, were very much a part of my it was just like they just coexisted side by side. And and the thing about Santeria that's really cool is just like every Orisha has a corresponding saint. So it's just like yep. it's your icon cards are doing double duty. So it's like whatever. Right. Um so I want to know like what are y'all's experiences with that? Because that I thought that was a really great question. Yeah, I think for me, like um, I wasn't, I mean, I was raised Catholic in that, like, I did my first communion, I was baptized, we went to church every so often, we weren't super involved, but I was as Catholic as any other Latin American person growing up in the United States, you know what I mean? But one thing I always remember is that we always had, like, we always had a closet, or, like, the, where the AC cabinet is, we always had a, a Yemaya, or, or a Babalu, or, like, a Ochun, or whatever, Um were and it was always there it was always a cup with water you put your like coins in and every so often my mom would go and like put a couple of coins in and request something or get something off her chest it was always a thing um and i remember as i got older and got more into like you know my culture and stuff like that um i went to a um uh babalao which is like a like a santero priest and had you know the shells read and thrown and stuff and you know communed with him and stuff and it's funny because like People could say, oh, this is just like, you know, woo-woo type stuff, whatever. And before I moved to Australia, um, I went, because um, I was sort of at this this weird crossroads in my life, whatever. So I just went to see, you know, what the hell was going on. And he told me, he's yeah. like, oh, look, um, what I see in your future, you're going to be, you can be, um, I see like, like Middle East in your, in your future, whatever. I'm like, I'm not going to fucking go to the Middle East ever in my life. Uh, and yeah. where I live in Australia now, 95% of the people who live around me are either Lebanese Egyptian or Turkish, so like, oh, you know what I mean. I was like, wait, 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 wait a fucking second right here. But um, but yeah, but that was like Santeria was always always around. Um, and I think especially because in Puerto Rico we do have a very strong like African ancestry. Um, especially me, like on my dad's side, they're all you know directly descended from like African slaves and stuff. And even um, my dad grew up. It's funny because my dad's family they grew up um what we say, alleluia, right? So like Pentecostal. We say like, that too. We yeah, say they, that they too. Hallelujah. We call it hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> but at the same time, my grandmother, who was deeply alleluia, whatever, also um, would go to the, the uh, El Espiritismo, like those services, uh-huh. where they would commune with spirits and stuff like that. My dad was always, always paid percussion. So he'd go there and like, they'd get him to play for the spirits and stuff like that. So again, it's a very, it's, it goes to speak to like that sort of colonial complex makeup whenever we talk about like racism or race in like colonized areas or like ethnicity in colonized areas of religion. Like it's not as clear cut, like, oh, you know, this region is Catholic, this region is whatever, because there's so many moving parts. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the beautiful things and one of the potentially negative vestiges of colonialism. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. T. Austin, what do you reckon? What was your experience? I was gonna say, did you want to take a tea? You'd probably be a better one to answer what our what our extremely Catholic upbringing was like. 
We literally went so, to Catholic school and the whole nines. Yeah, yeah. So Austin and I went to Catholic school for <clears throat> elementary and middle. Um, yeah, yeah. We we both went to a public high school afterwards, which was an interesting experience. Um, but so my father wasn't very religious, um, but it was our grandmother who was religious. Happy birthday, Italian. by the way. What's up? <laughs> Happy birthday to your dad, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cute. He uh, so yeah, he wasn't really religious at all, but it was my it was our Italian grandmother that was very religious. So that kind of Catholicism was very much informed by New York City uh, mm. culture of the first like half of the twentieth century. So basically, it's it's hard to describe. There are some similarities. They brought over some old country practices, you know, because they come they came from like a very small village in the mountains uh, outside of Naples. Right. So they they brought some old country practices back. Um, I might remember them more than you do, Austin. So like like just a, as a little example, um, you know, anytime you baked something, you had to like cr you put, do a sign of the cross over the uh, thing you put in the oven or some shit. Um, that's something I actually have kept going, kept from my grandmother, who was, you know, a tremendous influence on, on both of us, honestly, grandma RIP. Um, but it was it was not it was not the Latin American Catholicism that uh, y'all experienced um, again, because my father wasn't very religious at all. I mean, you ask him today, you know, I, <laughs> you ask him, you know, what are his beliefs? He said he'll say, you know, I don't believe in the God. I don't believe in the government. I don't believe in the people. I only mm. believe in the animals. He will tell that's, you that that's over and over. That's what's up. He does not. Yeah, he's he's like he's completely just like does not. Yeah, he's like fuck fuck the world. I don't I don't no no thank you. What do you, what do you call what do you call your dad? Uh, Anarcho uh, primitism Prim primit whatever. He's the fuck? basically an anprim. <laughs> honestly, no, he really is. <laughs> Yo, no, he, he, yeah, he definitely is. But yo, if I could like piggyback on some of that, right, add a little bit of context, add a little bit of color to the painting that you're putting down there. So like, yeah, we went to Catholic school our entire lives, right? And it had a tremendous, I mean, saying it had a tremendous impact on our upbringing would be like the understatement of the century, right? Yeah. Like it shaped mm -hmm. our whole belief, right? Just like you were mentioning, Ra, right? It put us on the trajectory to go through that weird, like new atheist phase where we like said, mm -hmm. okay, actually Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens are brilliant and we hate everybody, right? Luckily we <laughs> grew out of that, right? But like mm -hmm. it also, it put us on the whole trajectory, I would say, right, T, it put us on the whole trajectory to where we are now, right? And like, in, in uh, like just to once again, paint a picture of how deeply embedded in this we were right we <clears throat> and i'll tie this into like being you know of puerto rican descent right we were of puerto rican descent in a place like virginia right which did, mm. doesn't have a puerto rican community right it's not florida leroy it's not new york where like there's this whole community to, to lean on the catholic church was our community right yeah. the catholic church which was and we, we live in like the borders of like northern northern virginia which is basically like dc and like the rest of virginia so like relatively like part rural part suburban right depending on where you go this church community out here and like built on like civil war battlefields, mostly in the middle of nowhere. Once again, that was the community, right? That was who we, mm -hmm. who are friends, everything like that, right? Like I would go to, I was, I was known 
in our Catholic school for like delivering church readings, right? My brother was known in our Catholic school for like being an altar server and like doing all that sort of stuff. So like when I say like we were deeply embedded in the community, we were deeply embedded in that Catholic. It once again, totally, mm-hmm. totally shaped our identities. T, I think you're about to add something. My first, my first mentor, I would truly say this is, was Antonin Scalia's son, who was a priest at our church. What, what the, the fuck? fuck? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, he, Wait, he was, but how yeah. is he related to Kevin Bacon? Oh, <laughs> Ronald Reagan's got to be involved somehow. <laughs> yeah, for real. No, no, no. He was my first mentor. Nancy Reagan um, and served at our parish uh, for many years. Um, I think he's going to eventually become a a bishop and an enemy, or one of you know the left's enemy. Shortly, um, it'll happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I once told him like after I had left the church, because um, I did leave the church for a while. Um, I'm I'm back kind of um, in my own sort of way. Uh, but he, uh, you know, I told him once, I was like, you know, you were the one who taught me that too. I should follow the truth wherever it takes me, regardless of the consequences. I learned that from you. And that's what took me out of this. So if this is, is this anything, anything, it, it's your fault, bro. <laughs> like yeah, it's Antonin Scalia's son's fault for tea. So, anyways, so what? So what I was? So I was also gonna also. So I was also gonna uh, from, from the grave. Yes. So I'll, I'll I'll pass it back to you here in a moment, Lira. But another thing that I wanted to tie in, you know, a, a point you were making earlier. Yes, yes. As far as like the blending of like uh, like Spanish Catholicism with these cultures, and right, like it kind of on the threads that you were weaving there as well, Rara. Like something I love to remind people is that when the Spaniards colonized the Inca Empire. In many cases, they did not destroy ancient Inca churches. They built on top mm-hmm. of them, right? Mm-hmm. They yeah. took those yeah. sacred sites and turned them into Catholic ones, right? They yeah. in, they intentionally did that, right? They intentionally erased that culture and built theirs on top of it, right? Like that's I think that's a really important point and kind of ties into what like created a lot of those weird like hybrid cultures. And Leroy, you got, clearly got to say something, so I'll pass it over to you. No, I was gonna say on, on that point, like you go to Spain today, you go to Spain today, you go all to all the big mosques that the that the Muslims built. They're now Catholic churches because they just simply built their churches on top. You go to That's so wild. You go to Mexico City. Mexico City was built on top of Tenochtitlan, like just as a massive fuck you. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of which, so tying it back to something you said, Yassi, at the very beginning, talking about coming from the. Chicano, Chicanoismo, whatever. Can you just mm-hmm. talk about that? Because obviously, being Puerto Rican, growing up Puerto Rican, we think we're the center of the universe. We get we get mad when like white people just like, oh, you know, you're Mexican, whatever. Because because no, we're Puerto Rican without realizing that like ninety eight percent of the Hispanics in the United States are fucking Mexican. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we have no idea of of our world outside of that. Um, can you just give us a rundown for like those of us who aren't as familiar? Yeah, it's, so, it's 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 a big uh, question, big thing, but like you know what question. I mean. But. Um, we've definitely talked a lot about uh, a lot about uh, mestizaje and the the complications of of being mestizo or uh, Chicano or identifying as Chicano on Hot Girl Agenda. It's like a topic that's come up a lot. Um, but the gist of it's funny that also it's funny that you brought up that uh puerto ricans think that they're the center of the universe like you know just like we do but like with chicanismo like the thing that happened was uh chicanos who are uh people of mexican descent that that uh were born on this side or grew up on this side so in the united states uh so of the diaspora like you know of mexicans um 
the thing the thing they decided to do that we collectively decided to do was make up a fucking mythology to like <laughs> justify it. It is bonkers. So like real quick, Chicanismo is this idea that um it, that we the uh, diasporic Mexicans uh, actually aren't diasporic. We're indigenous, and there's this concept called Aslan. Um, yeah. That is yeah. this. It, it, it's all of California and some of Nevada, and you know, basically all of the borderlands was the realm of the Mexica, which is supposed to be the name of the Aztecs. And this was our. We're directly descended from that. Like, let's not talk about how it erases all of the indigenous groups that are that occupy those areas. Let's not talk about how that's just like not true. Let's not talk about how the there were tons of indigenous groups in what is now Mexico, what is now Mexico, that were uh, colonized and brutally, uh, or, uh, you know, decimated by Aztecs. Like, let's just fucking throw on some feathers and do some dancing. Like, it is <laughs> the most bonkers day. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's pretty fucked up. Um, but there are also, you know, there's also, like, definitively, um, I, would, I would say, like, powerful, if extremely fraught, political line through chicanismo it was an attempt to um especially after you know um the the murder at sleepy lagoon and the zoot suit riots it was an attempt to create cohesion for a bunch of um a bunch of kids that were ni de aquí ni de allá right like not from here not from there like we we had no home and it was a way to politicize our identity and say like you know what like we have power we we're a huge population here. We're going to take our power and we're going to locate it somewhere materially. Um, but I I would honestly say the the last thing, the last like legit political move um that was made in the Chicano project or movement was the Chicano moratorium against the Vietnam War. Um, so that was like in the was like the sixties. Like all the Chicanos were like, we're not going anymore. We oppose the war, and there was tons of organizing around that. Um, oh, but ever since then. The, the political has fallen away as the term Chicano and the, the concept of Chicanismo has become more um, like more prevalent amongst, uh, you know, people of Mexican descent that live in the United States. Like the politics have fallen away and now it's just a bunch of raza heads doing like dumb shit. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's Chicanismo in a nutshell. Yeah. Yo. That is so that is extremely fascinating to me, right? And a lot of and as you mentioned yesterday, a lot of those concepts like concepts like Mestizaje are, you know, very, you know, problematic. But like a lot of the last point you make there, you know, really resonates me in in my mind, right? And I feel like this is something we talk about a lot on, on Machete Imagine, right? This is almost like the reason we started this podcast, which is grappling with our identities, right? Grappling with what the fuck it means to be like wherever the fuck we are in the United States, right? Grappling with what it means to like be, you know, of Latinx descent in the United States or even of, you know, tomorrow descent in the United States, right? Especially the experience that, you know, that that myself and T had growing up in a place like Virginia, right? Growing up in a place like the South, right? Where like I tell people all the time, right? Where the fuck I'm at, right? In the place that I'm in, right? <laughs> um, if I get pulled over by cops, these motherfuckers are going to remind me I'm not white, right? They will make yep. sure of it, right? Yep. And that's just the nature of like being like, you know, brown or racially ambiguous or whatever the fuck we want to call it, like in a place like the South, which is once again, why we started our podcast, right? To like give a voice to, to people such as yourselves, right? To put, to give a platform to like the plenty people in the United States that are of this weird, like 
whatever the fuck racially mixed confused identity category, right? Where like the, because the, there's the like liminal space. Exactly, the liminal space, right? And I <laughs> and I don't and, and and I don't want to talk too much about and in fact we don't have to talk about any sort of DSA bullshit or whatever. But it's amazing to me how many people I meet in DSA are not only in this exact same situation, but also grappled with this exact same identity crisis growing up, right? That also grappled with this idea of what the fuck am I, right? How the, where the fuck do I fit, right? And and so once again, yeah, like you said, Leroy, liminal space, we're in these liminal spaces. Well, that's, isn't, I mean, that's the consequences of empire, is it not? So, you know, a country invades and conquers other nations, topples other governments, or absorbs other other cultures, other peoples. And what happens is these people end up coming to the metropole, right? And then they get to the metropole. They're told that, oh, you are a part of this, right? Then they get to the metropole and they learn very quickly, no, you're not fucking part of this, right? Mm. So what this does to people and, you know, just to us is, is it forces us to think that, you know, no matter how hard... I work no matter, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm sure we all know relatives of ours, probably from the older generation who were all about assimilation, right? Mm-hmm. All about trying to be part of the American dream. You know, we've put that beside behind us. That's That was the past, right? But then it doesn't matter how many generations it's been, you will never be a part of this. You get reminded over and over and over again. I, it, this is the consequences of empire. You know, if, if some white supremacist in the United States is up in their fucking, like, just fucking pissed off and, you know, crying about it, it's like, well, your government should have conquered the world. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally vibe with that. And I think that like, you're, you're onto something, which reminded me of something Rara just said, like a couple minutes ago, Rara, you were talking about how like the younger generation, of uh, folks on Guam are like trying to reconnect um, to their more indigenous uh, like history, but it's also fraught on Guam, right? Like it's also complicated yeah. there too, right? It's, it's um, incredibly you- complicated. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, no. I just want you to, I just want to hear about it. Like, and, and is there like, I guess the question I had is like, is there continuity there so that like, like folks who have like Chamorro descent can connect to that indigenous culture or is it broken up and you have to like piecemeal it or like how is how are they connecting like because part of the reason why Chicanismo came out of like came out so fucked up is because like there isn't a connection that Hmm. the mestizaje broke that connection right like in a real way so I actually think um what's what's happening is um you know we have on Guam, it we, our culture has been kept alive through oral history, through mm. literally storytelling and passing on of skills from generation to generation. And um, I feel like maybe there was a stutter um, that was happening kind of after World War II. Um, and then uh, that can, can, kind of continues on today. But I think like I think there's kind of like an awakening happening is what I like not to be too superstitious about it. But I think there's an awakening happen- happening. And I think it has a lot to do with us being connected to each other's struggles a lot more via social media in a way mm-hmm. that was not as present like when I was, uh, you know, younger on Guam, because like I, I lived on Guam my whole life. I didn't move to the States till I was 21. So I lived there the entire time, but I was also like a fucked up kid. And and so like a lot of this stuff, I'm kind of piecing together about what the conditions I was actually in, you know, and making sense of the conditions that I grew up in. Um, but I think, um, cause I, you know, my grandmother, she married a Navy guy 
she moved around the world. She, her, her, her family lived around the world before they came back to Guam when my mom was in high school. So, you know, she didn't have the benefit of necessarily being around her uh, native family and, and having that community also help pass on traditions, you know, and her being like a, you know, Catholic uh, homemaker, she would had with four kids on her hands, you know, she was a very busy woman. So, so mm-hmm. not, not having that community, um, when she was moving around the world, you know, uh, being, being a Navy wife and being a, a mother, um, and then coming back when her children were already, you know, starting to grow up, um, at least the older ones were, and, um, and then kind of just being Americanized, you know, through the whole process of mm. moving around and, you know, li- living as a, as a beneficiary of uh, the U.S. military, you know, like because the, she did get the benefits of living on all these nice bases and getting nice, you know, um, uh, the perks of being, you know, an American. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think what happened, at least with with my family, is there was like a stutter in uh, that tradition, that oral tradition, you know. And so a lot of the things I understood about uh, Guam's history I, I learned a little bit about my gra- from my grandma, just from, you know, her doing her normal grandma shit, like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> sitting, sit, sitting out back at the bench, cracking open a coconut, you know, like doing it the right yeah. way. Uh, <laughs> none of this Tom <laughs> Hanks throwing it at a rock bullshit. Um, <laughs> uh, which, by the way, that mo- that movie was not supposed to be a comedy, but we watched that in theaters on Guam. And when Tom Hanks did that, the entire... <laughs> Theater just start busting out laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, totally off track. But uh, so, I think these oral traditions is what I'm saying. Are are um, they have been passed along through elders? Um, It's just that we're now listening to them again. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's it's the the information has been there. We have like our elders have just been waiting for us to pick up the mantle and take the responsibility of of continuing our, our society and our culture. And like, that's how I feel like that's, and I didn't feel that way until I moved to the States because I, you know, growing up, you know, I'm a very light skinned person. Um, if you've never seen a picture of my face before, like I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a quarter tomorrow. Like if we're going to go by blood quantum here, uh, I'm a, I'm a quarter (laughs) tomorrow and I'm, and I'm white the rest of the way. Right. But I was born and raised there. I was born and raised in the culture. Like there are things, there are things about the land that are part of me, you know, and that like that shit runs through my blood. And I did not really understand how deep it ran until I moved away until I moved halfway across Mm. the world. And now I'm just like, I'm experiencing what a lot of the diaspora and other, you know, and, and what y'all must experience at some point is that like, I need to fucking know everything about my culture. I need to fucking mm-hmm. like, I need to tell people about this shit. I'm always telling people about like, every time I learn something new, I'm like always telling people cause I need, you know, it's like, this is it. This is the way it's like our responsibility now. And for me, mm. it's not like when I was younger, I feel like maybe that responsibility was too heavy. You know, you're, when you're young and you're poor, and you're, you, you know, you have like a pretty bleak future ahead of you. Um, and it's hard to fucking like take that on. It's hard to be like, God, I'm, I'm responsible for this shit too. Like, but I think that there, you just reach a tipping point where you, you either realize it just has to be a part of you or you're going to like lose it forever. And, it, you know, I don't want to lose it and I don't want pe- other people to have to decide. So like, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about it. Anyway, I hope that explains it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, one thousand percent. And like that was 
there's so much I want to like address there as well and unpack there because my experiences are very, very similar. So my father was in the army for 35 years, right? So I grew up when I was younger as, as an army rat. So just like I imagine in Guam, just like I imagine for like uh, uh, American Samoans, we're victims of the economic draft, right? So either you try to scrape a living on the colony or you join the fucking military and, you know, expand empire. So because there's so many of us, you know, so many Puerto Ricans, whatever, we, there tends to be a lot of us at anywhere you go like around the world. So we, we've, we build those communities. So there's every weekend, there's, you know, someone's house, we have salsa, we have, you know, merengue, we have our stereotypical Puerto Rican things. And we, you know, we keep the culture alive that way. But obviously, like you said, like with any culture, and I don't want to sound like blood and soil or whatever but like the actual <laughs> land no. you know, like, like your connection to to the land and to like yes. the smells mm. the winds the the spirits in the trees or whatever are a big part of it mm. that you get disconnected from and mm-hmm. i mean it's probably a bad way to talk about it but like if you got lucky for puerto ricans you got stationed in okinawa or Hawaii, where it's kind of tropical, so you can kind of grow like your own things and kind of remind you of home and stuff like that. Otherwise, like I was born in Washington in like the Pacific Northwest, you know what I mean? Like there's no, you know what yeah. I mean? We get our plantains and our like root plants from like the Samoan community. <laughs> or we lived in like North Carolina or whatever, you know what I mean? So I think yeah. mm-hmm. what you're saying about the actual connection to like the land and stuff is, is, is very, very, very big. And another thing you said that was, I think mirrors our experience in puerto rico as well is the growing consciousness among the younger generations right um and i don't know how it is you know in like the chicano community or in the in, the, in, in your community rah, rah, but like the americanization the pro-america propaganda was so intense that it convinced an entire generation of older people that the young people were lazy you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That like, mm-hmm. oh, you want this and that, but you're not going to work the land. You don't want this. And the, the the stereotype is that, you know, you have your conservative adults and grandparents. The kid goes to university, becomes this, you know, red communist, independentist, whatever, and then becomes conservative again. And like, that's the prevailing stereotype. But mm-hmm. what we're seeing now is actual young people moving back to Puerto Rico, trying to, you know, setting up co-ops and, and like communes and stuff, buying land, especially like in areas that like um, Austin and T's families from, like in the mountain where there's actually, you know, rural areas, buying land, working it, because they're they're building what we call like una uh, patria nueva, like a new a new homeland. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so yeah. it's, it's, it's very interesting, like the threads that are there that like there's this whole generation of young people. And I don't know if it's, a millennial thing that we're just sort of jaded with the, you know, global capitalism, that this is how it's manifesting in our communities. Um, but it's, it's what I find fascinating is when we're bringing it back to like the establishment of colonialism, imperialism, whatever, like how it was for our ancestors who were first, you know, that, that first contact, how it sort of like evolved and what the result is now, like how it's manifesting now, how like we're, and I'm missing all, like all of it because we know, you know, you could ask Austin and T, we know plenty of, you know, Puerto Ricans our age who are just fucking right wing fascist adjacent fucking, you know, pieces of shit um, who don't give a shit, who just are pro Yankee, whatever the fuck. But that this is how it's manifesting, that it's like, it's a rejection of the order that we're trying to go back and build something new by reviving the old to build something for the future. You know what I mean? So I think that's just fascinating. And talking about being on the other side of the planet, like I live in fucking Australia, you know what I mean? You couldn't be any further away. And 
yes, yeah, I don't know, like if you have similar experiences, you know, with um, with with Pablito, or whatever. But like, I have sometimes like an existential dread that he won't mm-hmm. pick up the things that like I was made to believe I needed to know and practice and you know do as a Puerto Rican, like being so far away, being you know growing up in the U.S., being Americanized myself, like. I get this dread of not like you know it not passing out to him as well. Like I don't know if your experience is different. Well, yeah, that's actually we're like mind melding right now because that's actually like when you were talking, both of you were talking about the next generations and like what they're picking up. The first thing I thought about was Pablito and you know Ernie and and Rara. You're an auntie, and I want to know like you know like what are how are we how are we like materially transferring this this knowledge and and how are we um how are we combating the the like hegemony that's that's threatening to take it away once again because like i know for me like with with bubble that's what i call uh pablito um you know it's it's complicated because um they're you know they're half white right and then you know so their dad is white and um you know i it's 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 a it's a tricky line because it's like I don't want to say like obviously like Pablito is is of Mexican descent is uh you know has to grapple with mestizaje and we're gonna have those conversations but there's also Orale. this like it, yeah yeah you know <laughs> chale con el imperialismo but like um, at the same time there's also this added layer of like you know like my husband right like I don't want him to feel like I'm like taking our kid away you know like in this in this cultural way you know because you know he has his own culture right like it's it's white culture but it's like his own right um it's complicated you know i know yeah culture right but at the same time you know he's he's got shit that he wants to like share there and so it's like of course you know we have we have to have these really frank conversations about like how are we going to make sure that as you know, there's there's a good likelihood statistically that Pablito will continue to be um, cis and will grow up to be a, um, you know, a cis man one day. Um, and how are we going to, like, shepherd them into that role of adulthood and understand, like, listen, like, your identity of color is, is already fucking fraught because you are the product of imperialism, like, yeah. and within your culture there's a lot of fuck shit like colorism and you know all of that all of that shit um anti-blackness all of this stuff anti anti-indigenous you know ness um and on top of that you're half white so (laughs) so good luck fucker no um (laughs) so i find myself uh going back a lot um in the same way that rara mentioned like to my grandmother who has passed and like going back to like our food because that's a really uh, immediate way to like connect culturally, right? Um, going back to um, our um, spiritual practices, because again, like like I, I used to be really um, you know up on game, like both Catholic and you know brujeria santeria. Like all of my family is very actively practicing still, mm-hmm. and now I'm going back to that, not necessarily because it's like feeding me in the same way it used to, but because I want to make sure that it's accessible to Pablito. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, but I want to know, like, I mean, we all have young, young little minds in our lives, especially, you know, uh, 
those of us who are parents, but I want to hear from everybody. Like, how are you shepherding this along? Because it's fucking hard, especially contextualizing it in a in a communist or like, you know, I I, I am a, an anarchist. I'm an anacommon. So like, how are we contextualizing this in an, you know, a, a decolonized, but also anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist framework? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Mm. <laughs> Stack. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah stack. Well, oh God! Trigger. All right. Well, but, I'm I know. Sorry. Yeah. Ooh, I think so we were just like that bit of a, a yeah. way right now. Cold sweat. Um. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll kick it off because you know I I am a parent, but um. Yeah. Go for it. Parents yeah, should definitely go for it. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 different because my my son Ernie, he's he's mixed as well. Like he's um mm-hmm. obviously Puerto Rican and Filipino, and I guess mm-hmm. I don't know if lucky is the right word, but like having that mix where despite being like on the other side of the planet, the culture isn't as dissimilar as you would imagine. I mean, going back to imperialism, right? So both being Spanish colonies for like four hundred years, having similar latitudes, so similar similar things grow like a lot of the same foods albeit like different seasonings or whatever because it's different areas different influences but being around because when i moved first moved to australia i moved because of my wife i didn't have any family here we moved directly into her house you know they're, they're a thousand percent filipino they're obnoxiously filipino um but it was <laughs> it was easy like real filipinos know know what i'm talking about um, but it was an easy, easier transition than it otherwise would be because like a lot was so similar. So I guess in that, a lot of the traditions will just sort of, you know, m- my son will, will, will sort of kind of just by osmosis, just, you know, just do. Obviously there's a lot of things I try to, you know, I try to speak Spanish to him as much as possible. Uh, we celebrate three Kings day. Um, I celebrate it more now because I want him to learn about it more than I probably ever did back home Um, and like things like that. Um, But for me personally, like one of the added layers as well. And yes, you talked about, you know, having those difficult conversations with Pablito and getting him, helping him um, navigate, you know, growing up and that, whatever with, 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 with Ernie, one of the things that the added layers there, that's, not uh, not his issue it's more about me being a better parent is he's he's autistic and he's not speaking mm. and we're you know navigating you know therapies kind of trying to be better parents gain better perspectives to help him be you know as live as an independent fulfilled life as possible so these okay. conversations for me will be difficult because i need to learn how to be a better person better parent better you know, provider to be able to help him navigate what's going to be a difficult experience growing up for him. Um, because this world is fucked up. This world is not fabricated, built for people like him, people like me, because we can have a whole conversation of, of like my undiagnosis, whatever, but that's a, that's a different conversation. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's a different, the world isn't built like that. So that's another out of layer. Like I want Ernie to, you know, learn the, his heritage, learn these cultural practices, learn this and that. But at the end of the day, I just want him to be as fulfilled. So if we have to sacrifice, you know, speaking Spanish with a Puerto Rican accent, f- just so he can be able to communicate effectively, whether it's signing, whether it's through his core board, we can point out like different pictures and form sentences. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's a no brainer for me. Um, from a, from a, from the communist perspective, 
his fucking name is Ernesto. You know what I mean? There's a reason he's named Ernesto. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that's that. And I come from my my family. You know, I've talked about it on the show. Like, they're all most like mostly conservative, pro statehood, pro you know colonialism. You know, peoples. And on the, his Filipino side, my wife's family, they're all pro Duterte as well. So I have a lot, a lot, a lot of anti communism everywhere. So like. I feel the need to almost isolate him from that to be able to pick up, you know, the, the, the values I want to instill in him. But at the same time, like mm-hmm. that's again, removing him from culture, removing him from community as well. So like, and, and again, this is something I need to be better at, need to grow, need to learn, need to figure out ways to be able to balance the thing um, because it does take a village even if the village is shit. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I could be here all day, but Austin, go go ahead. Uh, Sure. So like, so obviously I don't have any children, right? For anybody who's curious, right? Um, But the context I want to offer here, excuse me, is my own experience, right? And T can sympathize here too. This is literally the life we lived, right? What, yes, what you and Leroy are describing, right? My, our, our father, is Puerto Rican. Our mother is Italian, right? Our mother is not just Italian, but comes from, for the most part, multiple generations of uh, family in the United States, right? And as we touched upon a little bit earlier, we grew up in a place like Virginia, right? Where we didn't really have like a Puerto Rican community to like help us like, I don't know, learn Puerto Rican things or whatever, right? So like for, I would say the majority of our lives, T, a lot of it was rediscovering that right a lot of it was uh, putting us on a, or at least putting us on a path to rediscovering i don't know what it means to be puerto rican or whatever what the hell does that even mean right like <clears throat> and like i think a lot of the things that you both described bro drink some water man important. bro my water's empty that's the problem <laughs> so no so i think that what's it called actually like being able to rediscover our culture was a big part of what's it, like the path to to toward concepts like communism i suppose at least definitely for me it was right and i think a big part of rediscovering our identity or whatever we want to call it um is something i've said on matete mate in the past which is conversations like this right and not just conversations like this spaces like this right? Spaces for non-white people to discuss what the fuck it means to be non-white in a place like the United States, right? <clears throat> I've consistently credited you, Leroy, right? With I've said this plenty of times. I'm about to put you over again, homie, right? You already know what I'm about <laughs> to say, which is, Leroy, you know, it, it meant so much to me. You're like, in my fucked up, like, self-hating, there we go. I love that. That's a good book. Um, For context, he book. just raised History of Puerto Rico by Fernando Pico, right? Great book. Um, So, uh, uh, what I was about. Um, oh, exactly. That's true. So uh, <clears throat> when I in my fucked up, like colonized brain, right, growing up in a place like Virginia, in my mind, I always wondered, am I like Puerto Rican? Like, what the fuck am I really? Right. So to meet somebody like Leroy, which once again, in my in my fucked up brain is like more Puerto Rican than me, whatever that means. Right. To meet somebody like Leroy. And to have, yeah, you see, he's shaking his, his head. And to have him say to me, Austin, you're just as Puerto Rican as I am, right? That sort of shit, like, it, it means a lot, right? That sort of shit, like, once again, yeah, there you go, tears. That sort of shit, like, <clears throat> it helps, like, once again, it helps me decolonize my brain, dare I say, right? Or it helps me de- begin to decolonize my brain, right? <clears throat> 
So like to, to once again, being able to engage in these sorts of spaces, I think was, was critically important for me as somebody who, who basically lived what, what you, uh, uh, yes, and, and Leroy are describing for, for your children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a, you acknowledging me. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, everyone's name is, does not start with R. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I was like, I was like, everyone wants to talk when I talk. Oh, what, what the fuck? Um, no, no, <laughs> that'll take me a minute to get used to. Um, no, no, what you, what you said about, um, oh, this is something just super resonated with me about the more, uh, uh, more Puerto Rican than thou, uh, mm. or less Puerto Rican than thou. Listen, I experienced like the, of the very similar thing on Guam, because again, really, like I am very white where I'm from. Like I grew up as almost the singular little like white Chamorro girl in my schools. Cause I went to fucking public school. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was always questioning, am I Chamorro? Like, am I really Chamorro? Because even though I was in the culture, I was growing like, I was growing up in the culture. I was, you know, I lived with my grandma at many points in my life. I was, you know, immersed in it. I went to school with it, everything. Like I, I was learning how to do shit. Like, I was learning the language, even though none of it stuck because it was very confusing. But (laughs) I was always questioning, am I Chamorro enough? Because I was I was told, you know, you're Howley, which means white foreigner on Guam. Mm -hmm. So it's like so to be like a little kid and to be like raised to be like, I'm just not part of this. It was why I really wanted to leave so badly. But when I left, I was like I was really running away from kind of like working that shit out in a sense, like it wasn't the only reason I was running away. Um, but it was like, I was running away from that responsibility of being like, no, I am tomorrow. Like I just, you know, I am, I'm here. Like I might've come here by, you know, the means of imperialism and shit like that. But I would, I didn't fucking choose that shit. Um, I'm a product of it, unfortunately. And I think that we need to, um, really affirm the next generations, like, involvement in the culture and really be like no you are puerto rican you are tomorrow like you like this is a part of you you are a part of it you're a part of something larger and than yourself and mm. i think like our community has to be stronger than their rigid individualism yes god mm-hmm. yo like straight up i just it's i think you mentioned something like this earlier austin just like meeting the all of this shit that y'all are talking about like hits so fucking hard and it's just remarkable to see like this happens over and over again like when talking to other you know communists or anarchists um who are not white who come from colonized peoples it's just it's it's i can't i can't get over the fact that how all of our experiences though are different in many ways they all rhyme you know they're different, but they yeah. rhyme, and it's just it, it fucks me up. A hundred percent, one thousand percent. Anyway, it's do we do we want to like get off this and like kind of lighten it up a little bit, like because it's getting really deep. I'm about, I'm, about to, I'm about to cry here, whatever. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I was getting fucking emotional. <laughs> I'm like looking away, trying to distract myself. Jesse, what's what's your favorite thing about Pablito? 
Oh my god, Aww. so many things, so many things. Um, right now though, um, oh, this is this is kind of funny. Right now, they're really into monster trucks and like watching, <gasps> yes. watching like monster jams. <laughs> yeah. The only good um, white culture. Yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about. And I was like, culture. oh, this is your culture. Like, like, because he was like, I wonder why they like monster trucks so much. And I was like, oh, it's because they're in touch with their white culture right now. <laughs> the Midwestern white culture. Yes. That's, that's the part we want to keep. No, um, no. Sunday, like, Sunday, Sunday. They, oh, yeah. They're always like, monster jam. Wave digger, oh, monster jam, wave digger, and oh I'm just god. like, oh my god, it's so, it's so cute. Um, they're they're um, yeah, they're they're really coming into being verbal now, and like, th- they've just transitioned into like tiny kid from like little potato baby, like, and it's a trip. It's a trip. It's like this. What, it's what literally just with Ernie because. Get chulo, my god! Like it's, every time I yeah. see your baby, I'm just like, oh my god, it's so cute. <laughs> Well, um, there was a birthday the other day, so Ernie's three now. Yeah, so and it, that's right, that's right. Um, it's 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 different, and like it's it's very very different. It's again like I don't want to harp on it, but like he's 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 autistic, so there's there's a lot of little personality things that are like kind of come through. Like he's nonverbal, but the way he communicates his needs. Or he's not speaking, I should say. The way he communicates his needs yeah. is it's incredible. Like it's it I can't even I can't even describe it. Like it's just he has a way, like he does his little signs, which is adorable. He does his little cardboard thing, but like he'll touch you in certain ways and like point at certain things in a certain way where he's he just told you an entire story. And I can't describe it unless mm. like you're there. Um mm-hmm. he's obsessed with my feet. So whenever I come home from work or if I'm whatever, whenever he gets into it, he'll just kind of stare on my feet, run and try to take my feet off and he, or my feet off, my shoes off and he'll play with my feet. Um, then run off to something else and come play with my feet again. Um, and he's just brilliant. Like from when he was probably just before he turned one, he knew all his letters, numbers, shapes, uh, colors in English and Spanish, whatever. Um, but at the other side, he he struggled with interpersonal communication, right? He wasn't making eye contact. He wasn't mm-hmm. pointing. He wasn't doing this or that, whatever. So in one aspect, he's just far advanced. And other aspects, mm-hmm. like he's like, we're, we're still working on it. But he's coming along so well. He goes to a little, we call it school, but it's more like a little daycare. Um, and he's growing. And it's funny because like all his friends are like the little brown kids there as well. Like there's like a few Indian kids, a few Islander kids, like, and they're all like, like little homies and stuff like that, which is really, really, really cute. Um, but like having kids, it's different. Like it's just such a paradigm shift so in like how you view reality. Like it's, it's hard to explain, which is why it, it, one thing that pisses me off is hearing people who are like, yeah, like I'm the I'm the parent expert, you know, as a father of five kids. Like, shut the fuck up, man. Your experience is different, like with each of your fucking five kids. You know what I mean? It's there's no uniformity. Jesse and I could talk about, you know, our parenting, whatever, and it's gonna be compl- like it's one thing that's very, very clear to me was our parents raising us had no fucking idea what the fuck they were doing. Mm-hmm. Like they had they had mm-hmm. they they were winging it, they made it work. But they, there's nothing could prepare you for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And on the flip side of that, the other, the other bit is like, um, 
for to raise a child that is um you know a full actualized adult they have to have community around them they have to have yeah. other adults and other people around them that they can build relationships with um that aren't that aren't just mom and dad right or like whatever you know that exactly aren't just right. their parents and so you know for us like with pablito it's like really important to us because we don't really live near any family like we're here in LA by ourselves neither of us is from LA I'm from San Francisco uh my husband's from like the Midwest and Arizona and like we don't got anybody here so we're like trying to build community through our you know our friends and comrades so that Pablito has connections and independent relationships with other adults from us yeah exactly right because there's gonna come a point there's gonna come a point when they're gonna challenge our authority or our, you know, those relationships are going to be tested because they're growing and challenging authority is a normal part of, you know, youth development. Right. And so like, I want to make sure that Pablito has connections to other like legit adults that they can go to if they're like mom and dad are whack, they're tripping. I need to talk to somebody who's not going to like lose their shit on me or whatever, you know, like, yeah, that's just so important. Yeah. I was going to say, go ahead, Barbara. I was going to say the 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 auntie perspective of, on this and this yes. ties in because I didn't answer how, you know, I'm going to try to uh, embody communist values. But I think like um, I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. Like uh, mm-hmm. for me, like indigenous, uh, exactly. the, the indigenous worldview is is not um, dip, like separate from communism because it's like in like, for example, on, you know, in Guam, we have like a, a couple like core uh, beliefs that are built into like the societal structure. One of which is inafa maulek, which means to mm. make peace. It is a core mm. tenet of Chamorro mm. culture is being able to mediate uh, and mm. being able to work out conflict in a non-violent, um, non-destructive manner. And then another concept um, that permeates throughout the culture is chinchuli, which is uh, social reciprocity. Mm. So mm. it's mm. like it, it oh, is ba- so it is literally like community care it is mutual aid it is mm-hmm. like it is cultural sharing like it is completely weaved into like who we are as indigenous people and like so i'm just going to bring that in all its fullness but part of that is educating myself so i can pass it on yeah. so like right now while the kids are you know my while my niece and nephew are still really young um, I'm educating myself as much as possible so I can bring the full joy and the full, like, you know, just chamorroness into, you know, their mm-hmm. lives whenever I'm around them. Yeah. yeah. And I think that entire concept speaks to the alienation of capitalism, right? This hyper individualism that, you know, there's a nuclear family, you have your parents, you might have an auntie and uncle who are kind of close. You might have cousins, but that you only see each other on Christmas or whatever. Like it's this sort of independence from actual building any community. And I think that's what creates a lot of this like cultural existential crises among like us from the diaspora, right? Because we come from cultures where we have this in our ancestry. We have this sort of inherited memory of community and community building that is slowly stripped from us as we move into this hyper-capitalist society, you know what I mean? I think, and and Rob, I think that, that that's beautiful what you're doing. And I think it speaks to something I said before, like it starts with us that like, we need to be educating ourselves and growing ourselves because I know I want to build a little 
little good communist and Ernie, but that's that starts with me and being able to be able to pass mm-hmm. on that and understanding my own growth. So I could be passing on what he needs to be a better person than I ever will be. Yeah. Oh my goodness. A million different things I would love to say to all of that. And I know we're already like <laughs> at an hour over an hour mark and we just went back to like deep shit again. So this is beautiful. So let's, like let's, so let's keep, let's keep it going. <laughs> I was about to say, because I have a bunch of different things I love to riff off of all of that. This so, a kid. Oh my so so oh my goodness, Rara, you make you raise so many important points there, right? And I'm gonna touch mm. back on a couple different things that you said earlier, right? I think um going a little bit further back to to the question that you were posing yes as far as like re- like teaching you know our our culture and making sure our culture isn't lost for like later generations just like you said rara mm-hmm. community is so critically important there right and like we're all kind of riffing off our community is such a big part of that and i think on a broader point like as and once again i'm like painfully dsa brained right for obvious reasons not just <laughs> dsa but the socialist movement leftists mm-hmm. we do not do enough to actually combat alienation and atomization. Mm-hmm. We don't do enough of it, right? No. And I think you see that manifested when we're all fighting each other over pointless shit, right? Oh, 99%, <laughs> exactly, 99% of the time, right? It's because we are not doing enough to instill that sense of community with each other, right? We are not doing enough mm-hmm. to actually combat alienation in actual proactive ways. Um, another thing that I wanted to, to touch upon, right? Because we're getting into like really, really deep shit here. So this is beautiful. Um, uh, a point uh, that I tie into community here that Rara you made earlier, right? You mentioned like some of the, like the newer generation of Chamorro, like using social media to kind of like rediscover each other and like even like kind of like have like a little bit of radicalism. When I think about the Puerto Rican uh, perspective of that, and Leroy and T, you can like agree here or, or add context or whatever. I think the hurricanes were such a big big moment for like Puerto Rican community rediscovering and like the diaspora and like the connection and like yeah. kind of like a resurgence of like uh, a, like a leftist, like dare I say like independentismo and stuff like that. But that might be my like rose colored glasses of everything. But like when the hurricanes happened on the islands and there were no electricity for a year, right? All the people had mm-hmm. were each other right on the islands mm-hmm. in the diaspora. All we knew was Holy fuck. Like we cannot contact anybody right now, right? So many different like radical Puerto Rican diaspora organizations were founded in those moments, right? Through things like social media, like that we were we were forced to rediscover what community meant because capitalism wasn't saving no fucking buddy when the electricity went mm-hmm. out, right? We were forced to rediscover that sense of community. And I think that was a big part in similar ways of like the rediscovering of that. And the the last thing that I wanted to kind of like tie in here as well. Oh my goodness, like listening to like indigenous right listening to indigenous cultures right these things that have been in these in these countries in these cultures in the land for for generations right something we talk about on machete mate all the time right tea everybody concepts like when vivir right concepts like mm-hmm. actually being like something we love to say is that socialism is not just the people it's also the plants and the animals, right? Socialism mm-hmm. is yep. also the yep. plants and the animals, right? And people forget mm-hmm. that, right? At least that's my view of socialism, right? So I'll, mm-hmm. once again, could go on like 30 different tangents there, but I'll pass it back over <laughs> to you. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, Hurricane Maria, at least from the Puerto Rican perspective, was such a paradigm shift. Like, something shifted in the matrix, you know what I mean? That it was just, I think... All of us in the diaspora who had like sort of latent sort of like independentist leanings, it this is this it was a moment where like fuck this things need to yep. change. And I think for a lot of people, yep. and I think it went in both directions as well. I think for a lot of statehooders yep. who were sort of 
culturally statehooders for them it was like oh see this is why puerto rican has become a state because if it was a state it'd have all this stuff blah 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 you know fuck donald trump with his you know with his paper towels you know we would have federal aid and blah 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 two senators and whatever the fuck so i think all around for what wherever you land on that question i think it shifted something um even though you know we're, we're correct of course um but just but like you said like you made a very good point austin that like it was a rediscovery of community. Like a lot of things were born on the island from that. Like you had communities who were cut off from everything who rigged together their own like solar energy panels to be able to power radios, to be able to communicate like down the street. You know what I mean? Like necessity built that, right? When um, Julia Keller, who was the the gringa uh, education minister mm-hmm. or education, whatever the fuck, the secretary in Puerto Rico was privatizing schools, bringing in the charter programs, closing a bunch of schools. The people after the hurricanes turned those schools into like elaborate gardens and like soup kitchens and like community centers and stuff like that. You know what I mean? As a natural response. And again, like you said, like capitalism wasn't saving anybody. Like it's like Fred Hampton saying, like we're not going to beat uh, uh, capitalism with like black capitalism, Puerto Rican capitalism. We're going to beat it with socialism. And like, that's, mm. that's what we saw. I don't know. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Beautiful. Oh my goodness. So this was wonderful, right? Do we want to, does everybody want to plug their shit? Are we going to take this opportunity? She she had um, hot hot girl agenda questions or something. Um, Yes, I have uh, the briefest amount of questions for y'all and it's fun. I I promise it's fun. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I was like, I, when I was poking around, I was like, I definitely want to do like a Q and a of sorts. Um, I found this Cosmo quiz from like 2009. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> and I figured we could do it together. So everyone has to um, keep track of your points. How the fuck did these points work? Ooh, exciting! Oh god, oh, there's boy. like a whole Oof. scoring card. Oh man. <laughs> That's a, that's a lot of math. Okay, listen, <laughs> I'm not even going to math this. We'll just ask the five questions. Okay. Yeah, do it. Just ask them and we'll talk okay, about so it. Okay, so it's like multiple okay. choice. Okay, so number one, uh, rumors swirled that your ex has been talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should preface this. I should start over because this is the name of the of the quiz. Uh, the name of the quiz from Cosmo November 2009 is Are You Enough of a Bad Girl? Ooh. <laughs> so question number one rumors swirl oh, that you your guys... ex has been talking trash about you to mutual can friends. you hear me how do you respond <laughs> uh-huh yeah i can hear you yeah uh a you respond by lying low for a few weeks you won't descend to his level b by sending him an angry text or voicemail warning that two can play that trash talking game C by trying to t- to seduce his best friend. Mm, if that oh fails, you key his car. Mm. What? Damn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we've got laying low. Um, we've got sending him an angry text, or we've got seducing his best friend and or keying his car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, oh, Lord. I feel okay. So, show of hands, who says a uh, lying low for a few weeks? This oh, is how you me. deal with the trashy ex. I'm going. Okay, I'm going to abstain from I'm, this I'm... one because I didn't hear a word. My my audio went funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's okay. It wasn't. It, it's fine. We'll just assume that you had um, 
that you were trying to seduce the best friend. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Classic Leroy. Classic. <laughs> okay, Leroy, I'm going to address this next question specifically for you then. Um, and this is in the Are You Enough of Bad Girl quiz. Uh Okay, number two. The kind of men you usually find yourself dating best fit the following description. A, so wild. They make the hangover guys look like the Jonas Brothers. B, they work hard and play even harder. C, they're in bed by 11 p.m. on weeknights, 1 a.m. on weekends. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Leroy, as see, a Cosmo what? girl. <laughs> I'll say C, 100%. Wow. Really nice. Okay. <laughs> so you're a, you're at 11 p.m. on week. Like, you you just want someone that's going to be, like, early bird. Early bird. And, a, and just a, efficient. Efficient. So all the wildness, <laughs> but but efficiently. You know what I mean? So one time. Condensed into an appropriate time frame. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. I got to tap the waist. Oh my god. Okay. Um, okay. I, I I guess I'll just like answer. I'll ask each of you these individually. Okay, Austin. This next one's for you. Okay. <laughs> Your closest girlfriend always contacts you first when which of these situations arise? <laughs> a. She craves fun company for a decadent day of shopping or spa treatments. <laughs> B. She has split with her boyfriend and wants a partner in crime for a very hot night out. Ooh, that could go Ooh. either way. Um, yeah. <laughs> C, she wants to sip cocktails at a hip lounge all night and needs a designated driver. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Damn. Okay, that sounds like which, one, which one are you? You see, in normal times, I'd be C, right? I'm, I'm sober Sally, right? I, I don't drink. I'm the, the responsible oh. friend. So I'll, I'll go with C. I'll go with C. I'll go to the old me for this one. <laughs> yeah, not, the new, not the new you. I met the yeah. new you a couple days ago. Yeah, the new ago. me is too problematic. No, we don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's oh, a, we love that, a po- problematic fave. Though. I was gonna say that's what I was gonna d- say. What what time zone are you in? You're drinking a Red Bull at ten o'clock. Like that's yeah, crazy. It's, it's called bullshit. Bro, this motherfucker, he drinks his mate at like one in the morning. That shit. If I drink it after noon, oh I'm a, I'm, a, go, I'm, a, I'm awake all night. Uh-uh. I'll go through a whole pot no. at like eleven p.m. No so way. Bro. I'll, I'll be up for three I days. Cannot, I cannot do anything on top of that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> okay, okay, um, okay. T, this next one's for you. <laughs> Which phrase are you most likely to overhear being said about you? A, did I do something to offend her? B, does she always act this crazy? <laughs> oh my God. C, I want her at my next party. Oh, boy. <laughs> probably, are you a potster? <laughs> I, I probably be, honestly. Does she always act this crazy? There it is. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think it's B. I mean, just to be keeping it real, we're all, we're keeping it real here. Yeah, it's, it's going to be B. I think. Yeah. Okay, I love it. Yes. Does she always act this crazy? Love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Okay. Wait. We have to. We have to say it uh, in Espanol because I'm trying to learn Spanish. So, does she? How do you say? Does she always act this crazy? I'm yielding Wait, to the. I'm, I'm yielding sorry. To the I just threw like a translating homework at you. I'm sorry. I know. Do you say it in Spanish? <laughs> yeah. How do you say it in Spanish? Does she always act this crazy? Yes, sir. Siempre ha sido loca. Yeah, that's that's. That would make sense. Siempre ha sido. Yeah. I was like, wait, what's the what's the conjugation? Siempre. There? Yeah. Siempre ha sido. Siempre loca. ha sido loca. 
Nice. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Very cool. That's like okay. permanence. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right, right. All right. Which oh, yeah. it, it would be per- it would be permanent for me. So yeah. <laughs> I'm watching Money Heist. So I'm learning all my Spanish from Money Heist. Ooh. Nice. Don't, Good choice. Don't. Money Heist. <laughs> Sure, that is yeah, good. it is. It is like colonizer yeah, Spanish. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 and then they have the audacity to make fun of our Spanish. Oh shit! Fuck. Shit. And it's funny because in Chamorro, like I want, I gotta say, because I get it confused all the time. Like we have a more guttural kind of like interpretation of the Spanish, um, like accent. So, mm. like actual like. Spanish from Spain sounds so weird to me. It doesn't mm. really sound right. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, it's, so this last one will be. Oh yeah, what's up? <laughs> now I was gonna say it's funny because like obviously my my mother in law she's Filipina so she took Spanish her entire life, mm. and I'll be saying things in my typical you know overwhelmingly Puerto Rican accent, and then she'll try to correct my Spanish because why do you pronounce things like that? It's pronounced like this. I'm like, how the fuck are you gonna tell me how to pronounce the fucking? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my anyway. All right, and I guess this is for um, Yessie because like Yessie, I didn't give you one. Um, which is the most out- outrageous thing you would do for cold hard cash? A star in a girls gone wild type video. B sing a seductive pop song like Love Game at a karaoke bar. <laughs> <laughs> or C play strip poker with a co-ed group of friends. Damn, I've done all this shit for free. Like, what? I, 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 I would do this shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> this shit for free. Um, God. Uh, so we got girls yeah, gone I mean, wild. Uh, I mean, I've already, I've been in porn. Yeah, I've like, already. <laughs> yeah, I, I, same. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I guess that one because I've already done it. Like, yeah. but I've done all this shit for free. So. Like, <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah that if was you see our faces, the, the, the guys here are like, blushing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I like that B is like, ooh, what's the craziest thing you'd do? I'd sing a song at karaoke. <laughs> I know. I don't... I yeah, that. so crazy. That's actually about as wild <laughs> as I get these days, so I get it. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm retired. I'm civvy now. I don't... I don't yeah. I'm like more of a hot girl <laughs> mentee, like mentor. Hot girl emeritus? Yeah. <laughs> hot girl alumni. That's, 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 part, that's part of community. That's one of the jobs at the commune, so. <laughs> oh my goodness, y'all. Yeah, okay, so that was the quiz. I'm not even going to tell you what any of these other, like, things are because um, so not gonna it's out. just I'm not going to do math yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm so glad we cool. could do this. Yes. yes. Beautiful. Not a fun. Learned a lot. So we're putting yeah, putting plugs. a bow in it yeah. now. Yeah, let's plug our yeah, shit. Easy. So, plugs. hell yeah. So we'll start with Yessi and Ra Ra. Pluggables. Where can people find y'all? Ra Ra, plug the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can find uh, Yessi and myself on Hot Girl Agenda. We do a free episode and a bonus episode every week now, and we have like two out that we I just dropped today. It's so fun, mm-hmm. um, and we talk about everything about pop culture analysis and politics and everything under the sun from a hot girl perspective. And you can find us on Patreon.com/slash Hot Girl Agenda. And our Twitter is at Hot Girl Agenda, and that's our IG, our Instagram as well. Um, and uh, what else do we have? I think that's it. I think that's yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Cool. 
Leroy, you want to do the honors? Sure. So the three of us, T, Austin, and myself, we're obviously part of Machete Mate. Um, we talk about anti-imperialism, anti, anti-capitalism um, in Latin America, Latin American current events. We're not as organized as Hot Girl Agenda, so we put things out Hell whenever. No. Whenever. Um, the two stalwarts of the show are myself and T. Wow. Um, like we were talking wow. off camera, off wow. air. Austin is like the Bigfoot of the of the group who only shows up whenever and even then it's kind of crazy um but you can find us uh i suppose wherever you get your podcast so if you're listening to this you found us uh machete mate twitter (laughs) at machete mate um instagram all the other stuff Uh, also um we also have a patreon so if you support what we do um, head over to patreon.com slash machete mate. We put out after dark episodes, which is more kind of this style of just shooting the shit. And, um, that's where a lot of the salacious DSA goss comes out a little bit, um, from Austin. Um, so definitely check that out. We also have a book club. So if you're, you know, uh, uh, like we like, like we like to call the subscribers, you can, um, get access to our book club. We're finishing up on building the commune, which is great. He's mm-hmm. captain that, um, has been really, really cool. So we'll probably have to choose something soon. So um, you'd be part of the discord community. Um, and what else? I'm body, body, Boricua. Um, in case you didn't realize how Puerto Rican I am on Twitter, uh, Austin, <laughs> where can we find you? Yeah, Twitter at Gaius underscore Gracchus underscore. And that is where you can find me on Twitter. Cool. T. Uh, I'm going to make y'all work for it. You're going to have to find me online. I'll make y'all work for it. <laughs> yeah. just, go to our, just go to the pod Twitter and he'll be, he'll be there anyway. Also. You have to quest after him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Also, my garden has a TikTok. So go on TikTok and find at Huerto <laughs> underscore Rico. You can find all my garden TikToks. I love my garden. Talking I'm about doing you know, that right being, now. <laughs> yeah, communing, communing with the land and stuff, and like being you know, we had a whole conversation at our last after dark. Where I had a rant Wait, about it. Wait, how do you it. spell that? Um, I think it's I think it's super important. Um, but with that said, I think um, we'll wrap it up here. Um, hopefully, this comes out great. This is the Christmas special that everyone asked that no one asked for, but we made anyway. Um, for Merry <laughs> Christmas, Happy Three Kings Day, Happy New Year. Um, happy Hanukkah to all the, the, the Jewish comrades out there as well. Um, and Navidad. everything in between. Um, and, and yeah, anything else? Peace. Yeah, Thank you things? so much. Y'all are awesome. Yeah, this is fun. Yay. Bye. As, Bye. And as we say, <laughs> hasta la victoria. Adios. Adios. Siempre. <laughs>